Thanks for checking out our weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one-hour service, in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans, or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit us at carrolltonumc.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Our scripture this morning comes from Matthew. It is chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The word of God for us, the people of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for you are our rock and our ever-present Redeemer. Amen. Let me say, I am not the king of dad jokes. I may be the prince, though. Oh, which is interesting, because as much as I like a good corny dad joke, I have a certain disdain for the trite, for the cliche. For example, it always bugged me a little bit, and this is why we don't do it. When everyone in church, I'd show up on an Easter Sunday, and I, maybe I'm visiting a church out of town on Easter, and everyone in church is hooting and hollering, he is risen, he is risen indeed. Not because the statement's not true, right? But it seemed to me that it represented an illegitimate sort of cutting to the chase, a superficiality concerning the topic of Easter, a topic which deserves much more discussion than that. And I think it potentially alienated guests to the church who hear that and go, what? Uh, what? Okay, is that what it, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Now, I view that sort of cutting to the chase as a potential for eliminating the possibility, whether it was intentional or not, of a discussion on Easter on exactly what just happened in the scripture. Instead, what, what do we do? We all high-five each other on Easter, and we all go off to lunch, and what do we remember about Easter next year? What we were wearing. Thank you very much. Um, what I think we should be doing for Easter 
is what happened in verse 9 of the scripture just now when it said this. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings, and they came to him, took a hold of his feet, and worshiped him. Because that's really what's happening to us today. Suddenly, Jesus is meeting us after he was crucified, and we figured, if we're not reading ahead in the book, that he was a goner, that he had lost the battle. And then we, like his very own disciples who had given up hope, we're running around like there's nobody else around but us. There's no one to rely upon but ourselves. There's no morality except that morality which we create for ourselves. Truth is whatever we say it is. You have your truths. I've got mine. And then Jesus appears, risen from the dead, fulfilling all the prophecies. But what do we do? Do we all high-five each other and quickly arrive at a new cliche to utter? Or do we do what the women did and fall at his feet and surrender to Jesus. Now, you don't hear these women in the story today, to put it in the vernacular, talking trash about Jesus when they realize that it's him. They're not like some talk show audience whoop, whoop, whooping it up, right, when they see Jesus. They understand what has happened, just as Jesus said it would happen. And they fall at his knees and surrender to Jesus. Now, there's lots of us who would like to believe that we can have the resurrection and still have the world like it was yesterday. We want to have our Easter, and we still want to have our world unrocked by the resurrection. We're very comfortable with this world that we have, which is why I think Matthew says that when Jesus was risen, there was an earthquake. The whole earth shook, because Easter is an earthquake with doors shaken off tombs and a resurrected guy walking out on the streets and the stone rolled away from the tomb and a confident angel sitting on top of that stone. Catch your breath. Or don't. A lot of 21st century people would like to sort of rationalize the resurrection away, saying it wasn't really a thing and all that lives dies and let's face it, all the good people get it in the end. Face facts, it may be a rather somber world, but in our world, things stay tied down. When something dies, it stays that way and there are very few surprises. But here's the difference. Easter isn't about us, it's about God. It's about God's world, not our world. One of the professors at that little seminary I attended in North Carolina, Will Wilson, uh, Will Willimon, sorry, said this about Easter. He said, Easter is not about the resuscitation of a dead body. That's resuscitation, not resurrection. It's not about the immortality of the soul, some divine spark that endures after the end. That's Plato, not Jesus. It's about God. Oh, not some God as an empathetic but ineffective good friend or some inner experience, but a God who creates a way when there was no way. A God who makes war on evil until evil is undone. A God who raises Jesus just to show who's in charge here. On the cross, the world did all it could to Jesus. At Easter, God did all he could to the world, and the earth shook. Catch your breath. 
You don't explain that. You witness it, which is why Jesus, as the risen Christ, appeared first to his own disciples. Remember, those were the people who had heard him teach. They saw him heal. They watched as he loved the poor and attacked the rich. They watched Jesus be arrested by the soldiers and be unfairly tried and then crucified to death. More than anyone else, the disciples were the persons who were best able to recognize that the person they were seeing there was none other than the crucified Jesus, and now risen Jesus. Catch your breath. Crucifixion wasn't something that Jesus stumbled into. In a manner of speaking, it's what the world typically does when people who threaten the world come about. That's a fact. But on Easter, God presented new facts because God took that cross and made it the means of triumph. God took the worst that humankind could possibly do and turned that into life, eternal life, for you and for me. Jesus came back to forgive the very disciples who had jumped ship, came back to show that this world is really about forgiveness, not vengeance. As it turns out, the world is about life, not death. The women in the scripture, they went out to the cemetery to write one more chapter in the long, sad story of death's domination over us. One more episode about how the good always get it in the end. As T.S. Eliot put it, this is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. Resignation to death's dark victory, and then the earth heaved. An angel appeared. The stone was rolled away. Caesar's guards froze. The angel, in an act of brazen defiance of death, said to the women, Don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus. He isn't here. He is risen, just as he said. That is Jesus' message for you and me as well. Catch your breath. We can stop being afraid right now because Jesus, the Son of God, has risen from the dead. You can see Jesus yourself now. You can get to know him personally even as you head back to your own version of Galilee and Lakeview or Metairie or Kenna or the West Bank and all fear evaporates for you. Catch your breath. Does Easter have that effect on you? Because if it's not having that effect, maybe it's time that you let God shake your world. Because I expect that if God's not shaking your world, then something else is. And I think for most of us, we're thinking most of the time having that something else shake our world is not a good thing. Maybe it's time to have God roll the stone away for you. You say, but how do we do that? Oh, it seems so simple at Christmas. I mean, even people who aren't really familiar with Christmas seem to be able to hit a home run at Christmas, right? We have parties, we buy gifts, and frankly, always, Easter always seemed to be sort of second fiddle to Christmas, if only because of the level of participation. I will contend for you that the reason that is the case is because Easter is way more complicated than Christmas, and requires more of a buy-in at Christmas. And I don't mean buying gifts. After all, Easter 
is about resurrection and life after death. When the women in the scripture fall at Jesus' feet, they fall in surrender. When they are faced with the majesty and glory of Jesus, which is now finally coming clear to them after he's been risen from the dead, the women begin to understand the lesson that the Apostle Paul later taught, where Paul said that our power is made perfect in weakness. And they remember the words of Jesus when Jesus said, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. When the women fall at Jesus' feet, Jesus meets them right where they are, not in some far-off place, and he reaches down to them saying, do not be afraid. When we fall at Jesus' feet and consent to follow him, we ask Jesus to fill us with his power. We acknowledge that we can't do anything good apart from Christ. Anything? Anything. That's what the scripture says. That's what Jesus says. But with Jesus, all things are possible. And with Jesus, all things are good. When we fall at the feet of Jesus, we realize maybe for the first time in our lives that there is no safer place to be than right there at his feet. If we truly surrender to Jesus, if we proclaim Jesus Lord and Savior in our lives, if we do that, then catch your breath for the wonderful earthquake to come. Let us pray. Jesus, roll away that stone for us so that we can fall at your feet and surrender to you. Lord, if we came here today not ready to do that, let us leave here today ready to do that, Lord, where we completely trust in you, turn our lives over to you, and realize that in doing so, that's the safest place we can be, and that in doing so, all fear is gone. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.